want, want to click to that if you have a Bible on your phone or in the, uh, if you have that. If you want to use, the, there's Bibles in the pew, but just know we'll also have it up on the screen as well. Uh, before we jump into the message today, I just want to pray and ask that God would speak to us and speak to our hearts. Uh, just Again, just really grateful that we can be here and be in community and want to see what he has for us. And so let's, uh, let's pray together. God, you are good, and we are grateful to be in your presence for this grateful spirit that you're in this place. Grateful for the love that you have shown us, the grateful for the love you've shown us in Jesus, um, his death, his resurrection. We're grateful for your pursuit of us. We're grateful, God, that you want us to be in relationship with you. You want us to be in community with you. We're grateful for your grace and your mercy. I pray, Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would give us peace this morning, that you would give us peace to be able just to calm and calm our spirits and calm our minds, anything that we're processing or distracted with from the week or season, that we would just be able to sit in your presence and hear from you. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that your word would become alive this morning to us, and we would hear from you. And thank you so much for this community. Let us hear from you this morning. In your name we pray, amen. I want to start this morning asking this question. Does anybody in here like food? Anyone like food? Let me see your hands, all right? Yeah, didn't think that would be a hard one to find anyone in here for. So here's what I want you to do. Again, throwing you a little bit of a curve this morning. I want you to talk to somebody around you and tell them what your favorite meal is. If you could eat anything, price was not an issue, needing a reservation isn't an issue, no distractions, no hurdles, you could just have that this afternoon, what would that meal be? And so if you need to move around a little bit or kind of turn around, talk to somebody around you, what is your favorite meal that you would want to eat? Do that now. Okay, I already see a couple people salivating a little bit, so let's bring it together. I want to keep, uh, this is not embarrassing. Um, let me hear what some of those, not like full-blown descriptions, but what, what, what's the meal, what's the place, what's the thing, what did you say, what's your meal? Lobster. Oh, anybody else on lobster? That sounds pretty good. What else? Gibson say it again? Gibson steak. Gibson steak, I heard something else back there. Tacos, very good. I think that we probably have a couple more tacos in the room, yes? Okay, anybody else? What's your thing? Oh. I'm hanging out with you, Mark. That would be mine. What else? Mm, very good, very good. What else? Biscuits and chocolate gravy. Like, I'm from Kentucky, and I've never heard of that. That's crazy. It sounds, somebody's in here going to try it. 
I want you to see the reality. Now, again, I know, I know that we're getting hungry, and I apologize. It is 1130, so we're going to kind of keep moving, so I don't want anybody bolting for food yet. But I want you to realize this, just how the mention of food and the conversation of food changed the energy in the room. How the excitement went up a little bit. You were a lot more energetic. We've been talking about Jesus for the last half hour. And you all upped up your energy level when you started talking about tacos, lobster, and steak. And so we, there's something about just the reality of food. Because that's the, re, that's the truth of it. Food connects us. We don't get just excited. Yes, we get excited about the food. But there's something about the connection that food brings us. And being able to talk to food. Talk about food. Food connects people. Food connects people. Over food we laugh. Over food we catch up. Over food we get to know one another. Solve and debate the world's problems. Over the food we share our most embarrassing moments. Over food we share our favorite movies, our cherished memories. Over food we mourn. And over food we celebrate. Alette Vishbach at the University of Chicago said this in an NPR interview. She said, I think that food really connects people. Food is about bringing something into the body. And to eat, the same food suggests that we are both willing to bring the same thing into our bodies. People just feel closer to people who are eating the same food as they do. And then trust, cooperation, these are just consequences of feeling close to someone. Anthony Bourdain said, food may not be the answer to world's peace, but it's a start. There's something about the reality of the power of connecting over food. The amazing opportunities for connection that come from sharing a meal together. That is actually what today's spiritual discipline is all about and why it's so vital. We're in this series called Next Steps, and we've been talking about when somebody begins following Jesus, what would be the next steps within that? How do we grow in that relationship? How do we develop in that relationship? And like any relationship that we have, regardless of what it is, there's different things that we can do to make that relationship stronger, to thrive in that relationship. Not that it's just a begrudging checklist of things we have to do, but it's, I want this relationship to be all that it can be, so I'm going to work on these things. And God has put in his word, he's directed us, work on these things so that our relationship can be all that it can be. And so we've been talking about reminding ourselves of our identity in Him. We've been talking about reading Scripture, meditating on Scripture. And today, the discipline that we're going to talk about is hospitality. The reality of how important hospitality is to a thriving relationship with Jesus. Hospitality is mentioned throughout the Bible, just in a couple of key places. In the Old Testament, excuse me, it says in Leviticus 19, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. It says in Exodus 23, you shall not oppress a sojourner. You know the heart of a sojourner, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. It says in the New Testament, the passage we're going to look at, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Hebrews 13, 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. And 1 Peter, in 1 Peter 4, it says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. It's almost like, I think kind of God knew that we needed to hear that. 
We need to talk about the reality of hospitality. We need to talk about, Peter's going to talk about how hospitality is part of the holy life. So let's not grumble when we talk about this, he says. What is hospitality? Well, typically we think of having lunch together. We think about coffee and snacks after church. We think about having friends over. And those are all part of it, but it's only really slightly part of it. There's something way deeper going on, and that the depth of it is what we have to be in tune with. We have to realize and we have to embrace. And we're going to look at Romans 12 for this. We're not going to go into every single detail in the whole paragraph. There's a couple key points that I want us to look at to help us understand what's going on in hospitality. The first one is Romans 12.9. It says, love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. Now that phrase is really like a heading to the whole paragraph. If if we were to reword it as, this is what sincere love looks like, or here is sincere love, everything that's going to come after it in this paragraph is describing sincere love. And the idea of being sincere is to not be hypocritical, is to not be fake. The image being commuted here is don't merely play a role like an actor in a play or a movie. Actors talk about needing to get into character. It's not really who they are. They're taking on this persona. They're acting, they're getting into this mindset. But when they're done, they're going to take this off. It's not genuine to who they are. Sincere love, though, isn't fake. To be this type of a love should be who I am. Not something I put off and take on and put off or only temporary If I'm a follower of Jesus, this defines who I am. Sincere love defines what it means to follow Jesus. And so everything that comes in this paragraph is, here is what sincere love looks like in followers of Jesus. One of the first things he's going to mention in verse 10 is, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. That idea of being devoted to one another in love, devoted is passionate, loyal, invested, depth of affection, sincere connection toward one another. But the word here is like brotherly love, family love. It's talking about the church family. And so the language here of sincere love is to have a deep, passionate love for others in the church family. Getting into character, the person that's having that getting into character, hypocritical love mindset sees church as a place where just faith stuff happens, where I receive faith content, where there's some faith acquaintances. But sincere love, somebody who has a sincere love in following Jesus has a deeply devoted outlook to this place has a deeply devoted outlook to a faith family. These are more than just people I periodically run into while Jesus songs are being done. These are people I'm connected with. I want to do part of I want to do life with. I'm they're part of my life and I'm part of their life. I'm deeply devoted to this place. That's what Paul is saying sincere love in a church looks like. And really the easiest way to check your heart on if you have a devoted love for one another, is what words do you use to describe this place? Do you say that church or do you say my church? Because if it's that church or your church or Bobby's church, there's a disconnect there. But if it's 
my church, there's a sense of ownership. There's a sense of brotherly love, family love. This, is, this isn't just a group of people. This is my church family. Do you understand that? And so he's saying us, to have a sincere love of following Jesus is to say, this is my family. This is my faith family. I am deeply devoted to these people, and they're deeply devoted to me. Then it takes that, all of that, into verse 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Now remember, everything in this paragraph is under the heading of, here's what sincere love is. Here's what sincere love looks like. And he goes into it. And at the end of the paragraph, here's what sincere love looks like. Practice hospitality. So within whatever hospitality means, Here's one thing we know for certain. Hospitality is an aspect of sincere love. That's the first thing for us today. This is not an elective. This is not an option. This isn't just that, well, some people do that, but that's not my thing. To have a sincere love as followers of Jesus, talking about what it means to follow him, live in him, to have that sincere love lived out is to be a person who practices hospitality. And so this is, this is huge. This is a huge component of our faith. We have to see this. It should define who we are as possible. And so he says in that verse, share with the Lord's people who are in need. That first part's pretty straightforward. When people have a need, help them. When people in, when people in the church family have a need, come alongside them. We did child dedication in the first service. We did one last uh, Sunday. The whole idea of that, we are going to need help raising this kid. We're looking at the church as being people who are going to encourage and support us and be models of Jesus to our kid. We see people that have needs throughout the uh, time, uh, throughout the seasons. Think about the pandemic or just live things. It's, man, let people know what's going on, and the only way you can really know is to be connected. But when people have a need, how do we come alongside them? And I have always been grateful for the generosity and this aspect of our church. I would say... When Romans 12, 13 says that the people of God should be defined as share with the Lord's people who are in need, I think this is something our church does awesome. And I am so proud of our church for that. One specific example, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about this offering for New Life Centers. And New Life Centers is a nonprofit that New Life started a long time ago that really gets into parts of the city that the church can't maybe uh, can't do the things that New Life Centers does. They do the things the church might not be able to accomplish. And coming alongside uh, students and those who are in gangs, and just amazing things that they're doing. And so every year the church comes alongside and collects an offering to be able to help New Life Centers. And the goal this year was to raise $75,000. As of Friday, they've raised, we've, the church has raised $71,000. And so super awesome to see that happen. As a location, our goal was to raise $3,000 of that. And we had somebody in the church who said, if the rest of the church raises $3,000, we'll match it. Well, including that matching gift, as of Friday afternoon, our location raised $13,970. Amazing! That is so awesome! And I am, again, so grateful for the generosity in this place, showing help to the people who are in need. And so we have that one down. The second phrase, let's see if we have this one down or get this one down, practice hospitality. The idea of hospitality here is this. 
Family love the stranger. Show family love to the stranger. Simply put, show family love to the one not in the family. The devoted love that you have for one another, sharing love for those in need, the passion that you should have toward one another in the family of God, show that to people who aren't in the family of God. The sincere love you have following Jesus, the devotion that you have for brothers and sisters in Christ, don't hoard that. Don't just keep that to yourselves. Paul is saying we have to share that. Share the family love with those not in the family. That's what hospitality is all about. Christine Pohl says this, Hospitality meant extending to strangers a quality of kindness usually reserved for families and friends. Joshua Jip says, Hospitality is the act or process whereby the identity of the stranger is transformed into that of a guest. I love that. Hospitality is where strangers are transformed into guests. He says it's the, pri- the primary impulse of hospitality is to create a safe and welcoming place where a stranger can be converted into a friend. When we talk about the reality of hospitality with what this spiritual discipline is about, it's about creating spaces where strangers can be converted into friends. And so that's the second thing to understand about hospitality today. Hospitality creates deep spiritual connections. Hospitality creates deep spiritual connections. And really, within this, we need to have the same attitude that Jesus has. It says in Luke 5, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Somebody has, opens their home and Jesus is there and there are all of these different people who the normal church people in that time of day are saying you shouldn't be around them. The church leaders in that time were saying you shouldn't be around these people. You shouldn't be having hospitality. You shouldn't be having these connections with these people. And Jesus says, absolutely not. We should be having I want to be with these people. I want to connect with these people. These are the people that need me, and I want to be able to be connected with them. At one point in Matthew 25, Jesus is doing a teaching, and he talks about all the different ways that we people help people in need, help come alongside people. And at one point he says, I was a stranger, and you invited me in. He says that the idea of when you invite people outside, inside, when you love the person who's outside the way that you love the person who's inside, you're loving me when you do that. That's when I feel your love and I experience your love for me when you're showing it to those who aren't part of the community. Jesus ate with people, welcomed people in so they wouldn't be strangers anymore. Where others rejected the idea of connecting with such people, Jesus created opportunities to treat them like family which then welcome them to become family. If hospitality creates a safe and welcoming place where strangers can be converted into friends, then you and I need to be intentional about creating those places. We need to be intentional about creating places where strangers can be converted into friends, where people outside the family 
can re- experience the reality of Jesus so they can become inside the family. I mean, there's this reality, and our, the spread of our people group and this church family probably feels it, that at times, especially living in the city, it can be hard to make friends. It's hard to develop friends. Has anybody ever experienced that reality? It's true. One of the things that helps combat that is the intentional practice of hospitality, of I'm going to create spaces where strangers become friends. Why is that such an important thing? Well, that's the third thing for today. If hospitality is an aspect of sincere love, if hospitality creates deep spiritual connections, hospitality is also where grace is shared and experienced. Hospitality is where grace is shared and experienced. Go back to the Leviticus verse that I read a moment ago. It said, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Did you hear the language in there about the show the stranger family love? Treat the stranger as a native, it says in Leviticus. Treat the stra- or put it in our terms, treat the migrant like a citizen. Treat the person who's not from around here like they're from here. That's how you should be engaging people. As God has, and why? Because you knew what it was like to be a stranger in Egypt, Moses is telling Israel. You know what it was like to be a stranger in a strange land. You know what it was like to not be a part of something, and God sought you out. God cared for you. God brought you to him. God made you one of his own. God showed you his love and grace. When you were in that situation, now you need to share his love and grace with others who need him and are in that situation. Like God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, I choose you to be a blessing to others. Jesus chooses you and I to share him with others. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. God has chosen us to be conduits of his grace. And hospitality is where that grace can be shown and shared. We have to have this mindset. As God cared for me when I was a stranger, I need to care for the stranger. Let them experience grace and love through me. But it's not always what happens. Gerald Heisten, he explains that there's two aspects of Jesus' love, and their order is very important. He says, The Christian life begins with the accepting love of Jesus, then continues with the perfecting love of Jesus. And again, the order of those realities is really, really important. Jesus accepts us. He accepts us as we are. He saves us. Then he perfects us. Then he grows us. Then he makes us more and more into his image. It's two sequential steps. Jesus accepts us, and then he grows us. He perfects us. We don't always go that route, though. One of my friends, Eric Redmond, he says this, it's common to put accepting and perfecting love in the wrong order. We reverse them. We want people to be perfect before we accept them. We want people to clean up their act before we'll be around them. We want them to change how they are, and then we'll hang out with them. We want them to be more like us, and then we'll bring them by us. 
before, before we want them to be, fix themselves before we'll fully, we fully embrace who they are. He said, before we fully embrace their authentic selves the way we want people to accept our authentic selves with our warts, scars, failures, weaknesses, fears, and all. But that, you need to clean up before I'll accept you. That is not what Jesus teaches. He says, but Jesus accepts us before he perfects. And he calls us to love as he has loved. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You see, genuine love, authentic love, seen in action amongst the people of God is supposed to look like this. To people outside the church family, can you go to the next one? To someone outside, no, excuse me, someone inside the church, we, have the, we should have the mindset, because of Jesus, I'm going to love you and share life with you because we are family. Because of who we are, because of what Jesus has does, uh, done, I'm going to love you and share life with you. To those outside of the church, because of Jesus, I'm going to love you and share my life with you so that you can possibly become family. You, you, you aren't, I know you're not part of the family of God. I know that this isn't your thing, but I'm going to be around you. I'm going to love you because I want you to experience the love of God so you can become part of the family. That's how it's supposed to be. But what happens a lot of times is this. Because we don't agree on this issue as for someone in the church, I'm going to demote you. Instead of being family, you're now a stranger. We don't agree this way. We don't, we didn't, we don't feel the same convictions. We didn't vote the same way. You don't agree with me on this. Well, no, no, we cannot possibly be family anymore. I'm going to demote who you are. Now we're strangers with one another. And for those outside of the church, because you don't follow my faith teachings, I'm going to keep you at a distance until you get yourself cleaned up. Until you agree with me, until we can be on the same page, I'm not going to interact with you. God help us at New Life Lincoln Park if we embrace the second of these slides and not the first. As, as generous and as helpful as this church is and has been over the years, I always pray to God and I pray to God that this does not describe us. And there's definitely be at times where it has. And we need to repent of that reality. We need to repent of the reality of what the second communicates. If we can't hang out or worship with somebody because they have a different of opinion than us of, on cultural issues or personal convictions, if they vote different from us or they have different opinions on political things or whatever that might be, then that is a sign of spiritual immaturity at best and idolatry at worst. We need to be able to talk with one another, try to understand one another and where others are coming from. We need to be able to remind one another about our love for Jesus and the messy tension that comes of that with our differences and histories and struggles. Because when we make the places to connect with people, strangers become friends. And the reality is, is that when we see all these differences, we're reminded that we're not trying to make ourselves like one another. We're trying to get ourselves to be more like Jesus. And I can honestly say, as pastoring this church for almost 11 years, that has been always one of the saddest, most tragic things for me over the years. I'm not going to be coming anymore because I, realized, I didn't realize how many people are like this. And it really comes down to how they vote, their political identity, their different cultural things. And I can't be in a church that's like that. 
That's not kingdom life. That's not gospel. That's not how God has directed the church to be. That is the idolatry of modern America, not a reflection of the kingdom of God. And we cannot be like that as Christians. We cannot be like that as people who say we follow Jesus. The thing that should unite us and the thing that we should be passionate about is the reality of Jesus, of life in him, of what he provides for people. And how that's going to look like in our day-in-day lives might be different. And that's okay. And there's people outside of this place who live messy lives just like we do, but they just do it differently. And they're far from God. And they need to know Him. And they need to be brought close to God. And we need to be want. That's not going to happen if we don't make connections. We need to reject the idea, if you're not like me or you don't get like me, I can't be around you. We need to see people as Jesus does. We need to create the opportunities like Jesus did so that grace can be shared, so that grace can be experienced, so that who God is can be known with people. When we're willing to invite people into our homes, when we're willing to invite, extend hospitality, we are mimicking God's heart for all people. It says in 1 Peter 3.18, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. That's the reality of the gospel. I mean, hospitality emulates the reality of the gospel. We are strangers to God. We are far from God. But because of what Jesus has done, he's taken the shame upon himself so that we can know new identity, forgiveness, and joy. He's taken our sin upon himself so we can have his righteousness. He's died for us so that we can have life. He brings us from being far away close to him, home with him. It says in Psalm 68, God sets the lonely in families. Isn't that a great line? Isn't that powerful? God sets the lonely in families. God set, I mean, it says in the very beginning of the book, it is not good for you to be alone. That is not a commentary on relationship marital status. That's a commentary on the human condition. We shouldn't do life alone. We, and God, his goal, his plan, his heart is that we wouldn't be alone, that we would be connected, that we would be in community. He sets the lonely in families. We need to be practicing hospitality. It is a spiritual discipline that doesn't only help our individual relationships with God thrive, but it helps the community that we are a part of thrive with God. I know it's one thing for me to say that. It's another thing to see how it's experienced and how it's impacted people. And so in that, just talking about how the idea of hospitality, the idea of making spaces where connections can happen and God's grace can be shared and experienced. I've asked a couple people if they would come up and share about their experiences with hospitality. So Sam is going to come up and Sarah Beth is going to come up and just share for a little bit about things that they've done or experienced. You want to go first this time? I'm not very, there I am. (laughs) Hi, I'm Sarah Beth. Um, And uh, I was thinking about as my experience uh, as a spouse of a military service member, 
uh, I have experienced a lot of changes in my life. Um, in the last 11 years of marriage, I have lived in seven different places. And uh, one thing I've learned about moving around a lot is that not only is it helpful to look for um, hospitable people, it's also helpful to be a hospitable person. And so um, my husband, Luke, and I, we really enjoy creating spaces where people can connect. Um, and of course, we would love to connect with those people, but sometimes it's not even about us. Um, so after my first visit to this church, I was praying to the Lord. I was saying, Lord, I really need spiritual fellowship. And uh, lo and behold, he provided a ladies brunch uh, with the focus on friendship. So I signed up. I came. It was, you know, a little awkward like it is when you're new in a space. Um, but I sat down and God provided me with five lovely ladies sitting next to me. And they just really shared candidly about their desire for friendship in their various seasons of life they're in. And not only was the conversation really good, um, the food was really good as well. So as we're sitting there eating good food, we did what you always do when you're eating good food, is you talk about more good food, talking about the Chicago food scene, which let me just say, you guys all have really good food here in Chicago. Uh, so we're talking about this, and I just thought, why don't we go and get a meal together? So I threw the idea out, um, took some phone numbers, and then I made a, I scheduled a, a visit to a restaurant for us. And we went, we had a good time. Uh, it was not without difficulty, I will say. Um, there was issue with slow food service, uh, cold food, and potential food poisoning. <laughs> um, so it wasn't all rainbows and butterflies, but we had a good time, and I think that we will do it again, just probably not at the same restaurant. Hi, my name is Sam. I'm uh, one of the leaders for our college and young adult life group that we have here at a church on Sundays, um, and I would like to talk a little bit about uh, the feeling of hospitality that is kind of present in our group. Um, we do this thing called uh, Friend of the Week, and essentially what that is is it was started because um, a lot of people in the group, we go to schools that aren't necessarily Christian or uh, you know, work in fields that aren't really religious. So the only time that we have to uh, meet with people in um, like a community of faith is on Sunday and within these walls. So. Um, the way that it really works is that after, like every Sunday when we meet up for group, um, after the meeting, we kind of, you know, pick a person that we haven't really uh, communicated with at all and we're kind of unfamiliar with and we say, hey, do you want to go grab a coffee or, you know, get lunch somewhere? Um, and it's been, I feel personally, a great way to kind of uh, get to know new people um, that come to our church uh, and come to our group in uh, search of like a community or um, some solace. Um, uh, last year for me, I was kind of a, a new guy here. I uh, first year on in a, on campus, so I showed up here, didn't really know anybody, and um, immediately they were talking about uh, this college small group that they're talking about, and I went, and I felt 
really just, I'm like, everyone here kind of knows each other. <laughs> and, um, but they introduced this thing called Friend of the Week, and I had someone ask me to go get coffee with them. And then through that uh, connection, just you know, talking about our faith experiences, talking about like mutual interests, I just felt that much more welcome. And um, I hope that you know, we we're getting positive reactions from it, um, and I hope we can continue to do it. But it's just been a really great way to foster community outside the church as well as in it. So, yeah. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Sarah Beth. I want you to hear, um, yeah, absolutely. I want you to hear both of them made similar comments but different things, but talking about intentionally connecting with some different people. And intentionally, hey, I don't know you or I don't know you very well. Let's just go have coffee or let's go to a restaurant. Let's have people over. Uh, But through that, connections are made. And people get to you. I'm not just alone in this place, but I'm I'm able to feel more connected, get to know people's stories. The reality is, is that even though that restaurant might have only deserved one or two stars, but that restaurant became a holy place because there was people trying to connect there as part of their church family, and God uses that. I mean, the coffee shop becomes a holy place because people of God are connecting and trying to get to know one another and foster that relationship. We turn ordinary places into holy places. Your living room becomes a holy place. As messy as it might be, or out of sorts as it might be, becomes a holy place when the people of God are connected there and you're laughing and you're talking and you're crying and you're sharing and you're praying. That's what we need to be doing. And so what does that look like? Um, We're going to do something a little bit different in this today. We want to be fostering hospitality. We want to be fostering community. As you saw, if you've been here ever before, we normally do the two-minute mingle before the message and after worship. We're actually going to do the two-minute mingle now. And so what I need you to do is this, is stand up. And if, you never, if you're new with us here, we do the two-minute mingle. It's a way where we're not just a, the way we say it is we're not a sit, shake hands and sit down type of a church. Community is very important to our name. So we want to spend two minutes just connecting. And so what I want you to do is take the next, we're going to do our two-minute mingle